You're listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick. Hi, I'm Hamish. And I'm Scott. And this is Off to Market, and this week we are talking about commercialisation. Obviously, everything that we've been talking to up, up to this point is all about commercialisation, but there's a few things that we would like to cover today that we think you should know about. So, Scott, do you want to lead us in? Sure. So, um, we just had a fairly mundane section all about <laughs> basically engineering the parts. So, so really where we're at now, we have actually a physical prototype that you can test and describe and demonstrate and, you know, get a lot of feedback from, get investors involved or whatever. And now I guess the key is how do you actually get that into the market? What sales pipeline? How do you make money out of it? Was it even worth the effort? And and Hamish is going to be really heavily involved in this section because really he's the key to that. You know, obviously setting up the first arrangement or the first deal or the first person you might be wanting to speak to is crucially important. And, you know, I've had situations where I've taken one of my own projects to a distributor that you don't really even know um, is not set up correctly to to do a national sales program or an international sales program. But until you get involved with it, you really have to ask a lot of questions about how how the how the structure of the company is set up to be able to distribute the company your product. So, so the, these just, are the sorry, can we yeah. just, go, okay. just, just no no sorry. you just covered an awful lot there, Scott. Um, just go back a step when you say. Uh, whether something's not right it's for national distribution, what what do you can you give me an example? Yeah, okay. So that? I guess we're at a, at a fork in the road now. We've got plenty of options. You can take so many different routes at this point and how to get this product to market, and which 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 road you take can be crucially important. So you really got to investigate the road you're taking, so that you know it's it's really really flattering to have someone say, yeah, we're we're going to distribute your product, mm. but um, in a situation um, where well, I don't want to get too specific because it's a little bit fragile. But uh, and and the people involved are, are lovely people. But the situation was, you know, the product sold really, really well in one state because of the structure of the setup of the employee. The person who was selling it really well was employed by the company distributing it in the other states. They were all reps, and my product was a lot cheaper than the the general product they were selling. So the rep was faced with a choice: Do I sell a three hundred dollar product? And make thirty dollars commission, mm. or do I sell it? In my situation, my, my product was only worth three dollars mm. and make thirty cents. You know, it's it's a it's a no brainer that it didn't sell in other states. But mm. until we were two or three years into it, we didn't understand why it wasn't selling in other states, and was selling really, really well in Queensland. So, crucially important to make the right decisions here. And there there are so many so many options. You know, and whichever option you take, it's going to take marketing and persistence and distribution mm. and all, all that logistics that go along with, with, with selling something, advertising, everything. But you may choose to take a role where you take a royalty. And so you present to a multinational your product and they go and do all the hard work and marketing and everything. Or you could decide, I'm going to sell this online and you've got to do all the marketing and distribution and logistics. So plenty of options there. There's uh, a, a few off the hand, off hand are... Um, you know the royalty, which where you you develop your product, you solve all the problems, you physically prototype it, you solve all the technical issues, you get all the cost factors involved, so you're going to get your quotes and all the rest of it, and you can go and do some market testing just to solve that problem as well. Because is the market going to like it? It's another big thing that you know you have to solve off. Mm-hmm. And you go and take that package along to a multinational with a with a similar product range and a distribution network you like. And you go, look, are you interested in this product? 
If so, um, would you pay me a royalty to mm. take on the manufacturing, all the, all the legal battles that might happen, all the IP costs, uh, all the logistics, all the marketing, do it all and leave me you know, very little risk and just pay me a small percentage of the sales. Mm. And you know, the pie there, the pie that you're selling into is very, very big and you're taking a small, small slice of it. But you know, if you consider that you, you did all the sales yourself, you might only ever get to the small pie and you'd have 100% of that small pie or you can have a small percentage of the big pie. It's, 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 it's yeah, can get quite well in the end, uh, sometimes royalties. Mm. Um, the negatives are, you know, obviously you're relying on someone else to do that for you if they don't push it. Well, well yes, and <laughs> I've, I've had some experience with this working with someone uh, where they've got to put their different, got to put different hats on. I mean, they spend so, people spend, inventors spend so much time worrying about their product, making sure that it's it's good, that it's, it's, uh, it's working, that it's actually solving the problem, but then when you decide to go down the, you've chosen the road that you want to go down, which is not licensing, so you're going to handle all the sales yourself, all of a sudden you're having to deal with people like retailers. And I had to explain to this person, <coughs> you know, they were getting very frustrated uh, having to deal with retailers and all they wanted to know was what was my, what is my margin, what is my margin? And she, you know, she was saying, well, you know, it cost me X, you know, and I said, no, you, you really can't use that argument. They're not interested in what it's cost you. They're interested in how you're going to help them. Is it going to make them money? Is it going to be worth sitting on my shelf? So the, that's a whole different approach and a different set of circumstances that you have to take into consideration. Uh, so the marketing has to not just be to people that are going to ultimately benefit from that product, but you're also selling again. This is just a, another consideration of audiences. It's not just investors after that. You're selling to retailers, convincing them that uh, these are the margins that we're offering you. We've thought about this. You would be able to sell it at such a volume and at such a rate, and we're supporting you with marketing material. So all of a sudden, you know, again, if you want to go down the licensing road, you're giving those sorts of controls for marketing, essentially, to that company. They will uh, put all the money in, but if you go down and you want to go down the other road, which is taking it all in-house, you control that and you sell it from your own, say, website or own distribution point or your own warehouse, whatever, you have to handle all that and, yeah, that becomes a, an expense uh, and you have to make sure you get a return. Yeah, and that's why we did discuss earlier, it's, it's crucial to make those decisions really early in the piece mm. because you might find it's actually not viable. You, you might want to meet a certain design criteria and it, it outprices the product, mm. and so you know you never you go right through the process of this. Go to put it on retail shelves, and the retailers mm. say no, it's too expensive. It's not mm. in that bank. So well, and also no, it's best another to know those prices first, and then work your product towards it. Don't make it too complicated if it's going to be a, a real commodity item, mm. and don't make it too uh, make it more complicated if you know it's going to be a premium product and sell it at a mm. premium price. Basically, when you manufacture the thing, it has to suit final market you know four times rate mm. um, to, to allow for allow for options as far as wholesaling or direct sale mm. well the, the other thing that uh, is often a, a rude shock to most people is distribution costs and even things as simple as postage yeah. if you uh, and that, that's the great benefit of uh, huge organizations like Amazon is their great power comes not just from having a massive warehouse it's the 
costs that they can control and the, the pressure that they can put on distribution networks, whether it's mm. couriers, to give them very good flat fees to distribute this stuff to people. Uh, if you just want to go out on your own and sell one at a time, well then you're paying postage one at a time and often, and I've seen this before, the cost of postage equals or outweighs the actual cost of the product. So if you're going to market and selling something for let's just say $5 and the postage is $10, well then the perception of value, you know, all of a sudden you've got a 15 you know, $15 product, but you can sort of, you know, tell people until you blew in the face, oh, it's only five bucks, but no, it's it's 15 when you add on the postage. So, you know, do people make the decision to purchase that product? Unfortunately, sometimes they'll look at it and sit, sit, sit in their shopping cart and they'll think, well, does that equal good value? This is a $15 product. No, it's a $5 product. So you've got to look at that as well as whether you're going down a road where, yes, it's a great product, but the way you price it you have to be very careful there too. You're better off actually pricing a product. Let's just say you all you want to make out of it is X, and to make X, after manufacturing costs, after design costs is $5. However, because of the way you want to distribute it, you really should be pricing that, pricing that product at $30, because then it will outweigh the distribution costs. So the actual price of postage seems insignificant. However, it's a, if it's a very cheap product, uh, the perception is, that is it really worth it if it's going to cost that much to send and again this is another area that is a concern with products that are able to be patented is that they are new they are unique you want people to look at them and say yes i, I need that but if, if a barrier to that sale is going to be things like postage well then that's just another barrier that you're going to have to, to fight. And that's why I think a distribution, you've got to think very, very carefully about how you're going to distribute your product. It's a funny one, that isn't it? I've, I've, and this is a question you might be able to answer to f- for me, but I, I quite often see that people aren't really dissuaded by that barrier. You know, they could go to the shop and buy a, a fishing lure for $27 and not pay the, and, and, and pay no freight or whatever. Uh, or they can buy it online for $27 and pay the $5 freight or $6 freight. Sometimes in Australia it's $8. It doesn't seem to be such a barrier. I mean, I, I probably look at it and go, yeah, well, I, I don't think I really can consider it that much. I, usually if I want something, it just seems to be, well, it's not the, not the retailer's fault. It's just an, another cost on top, like paying GST or something. So do you find the same thing? I know, I know there's certain things in, in, um, well, no, in there retail is th- which is sort of queer, like, you know, you, you haggle over the price of a TV and then you just go and buy a mount and they reckon they make more money on the mount <laughs> because they set up a full retail. Well, and it's overpriced than they did on the TV because the TV, you haggled them so badly and it's a competitive market. But the amount they make more money on than the TV, so that's where they make their money. Well, oh, of course, but I think... Cars, accessories and things. There, there is a concept called shopping cart abandonment, and I'm really just talking about online sales. I mean, yes, mm. I know, if you walk into a store, you pay $27 for a fishing lure, that's Certainly fine. I do it if I had to get something from overseas and it's just exorbitant. But generally, locally, I don't, mm. don't usually blink an eye, but it is adding to the price of it price of the product yeah you don't really seem to consider it no it's not but it's just it is something that i've uh, i've had clients tell me that they've experienced is that people say oh, i really want the product but you know I, I can't uh i had a look at it but i've seen the cost of postage and look ultimately some of these uh international situations where uh which is important though i mean if you mm-hmm. want to try and get your product out there and get reviews from people overseas you've got to be able to sell overseas but yeah. does that mean that part of your job then is to look at those markets adjust your marketing approach specifically for those markets yeah, uh, so taking yeah. into consideration perhaps language use oh, yeah, yeah. language barriers yeah. uh, which can be distribution we, we use 3PL or even sometimes Amazon because mm. Amazon's got the system ship a pallet to Amazon and they look after it from there mm. There's, it's like your middleman rather than going to distribute over there 
yeah, that, but that's the, a great thing about distributors over there. You ship to the distributor and they do all the rest. That's right, but that's fantastic. that's where the that's where their power and their value comes into play. Yeah. is is that distribution? But it's got to be considered really early in the piece. Well, most products we do uh, in Australia really have to be designed for international sales, so it has to come into the con- into the conversation early. All this sort of information. Well, and I think that's another interesting concept too. Is that a lot of perhaps people haven't considered international markets until they start getting approached by overseas mm. um, customers or agents. Yeah, so that, that's another interesting one, another interesting concept as well is is at, at what point do you consider international sales? Really I mean, early. We, we always consider it first meeting. Mm-hmm. First meeting. Okay. What do you want out of it? Because we have this thing, we, I've heard it called the tyranny of scale. If you can make it, make a product work in Australia, you can make it pretty much work in every, every in the world, as long as it's not culturally uh, you know, too diverse for them, but you know, we have to ship vast distances. You know, we've got a very multicultural country, and so a lot of test products are made uh, uh, initially started off in Australia. If they work in Australia, is that because uh, we're a hard sell? Is that I think we are a little bit of a hard sell. We, we're good at good uh, early adopters. We've always had more phones than everyone per capita. We always had always had more fish finders than everyone <laughs> per capita, more car, cars, newer cars, but uh. So we got early adop- early adapters adopters, but yeah, I think it, it is hard to get the product out to people mm. because it's got such big distances to travel. Mm. I know the packet the packaging industry is almost based on our on our country because it's it's got a very high pressure content containment, 110 psi, and yet it never usually gets that heat that pressure unless it's unless the semi parks in the middle in the middle of the uh, uh, Nullarbor Plains and the and the, tr- and the truck driver goes for lunch. <laughs> And the heat of the truck gets so hot that the, the cans get the pressure. Uh, so there's lots of things that Australia is like a the worst case scenario for. Right. Yeah. So designing and developing a product in Australia is a good it is first a good start. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Plus we're isolated, so big multinationals don't get the egg on their face if it fails. Oh, okay. <laughs> Through Europe. <laughs> uh, but anyway, like so, let's let's just go through a couple of the options there. Yep. So we've got we've talked about royalties, which is a really great option. Um, you know, a lot of the, uh, anything that's really sophisticated, we've got a, a product uh, that I've been working on for 15 years, is one of my in-house ones, so I can speak about it, but um, to set that up is around about $350 million. <laughs> it's a packaging product, and there's no way we can raise that sort of capital for it. So we are totally reliant, our whole business plan is reliant on partnering with a big brewer and and making, um, and offsetting those, those Cost up with them. It's a really high quantity product, so it actually makes sense to have a good royalty on it. So that, that's one that really works for that situation. There's no other option really. Uh, a lot of a lot of products we designed to try and have fallbacks. Oh, here comes the siren. <laughs> Came and went. Um, a lot of a lot of times we have a fallback on them, so we design it for a certain avenue. So we might go. Uh, we figure out what the finances are, what the resources are. We might design it for a royalty situation. If the royalty situation doesn't work out, like you approach a multinational and, you, and it can't be done, we, we try and allow uh, another option to do uh, either either distribution, go through a distribution network. So basically, a distribu- distribution network is the sales pipeline is another company doing the same or a similar thing who already has all the distribution network in place, and you go and pollinate your uh, their their network with your product. So you approach them and say, "Would you just we'll manufacture the thing." and we'll distribute through you. Usually it means you have to get some another partner involved to invest in the tooling part of it and the manufacturing part of it. But usually when you've got a really work, nice working prototype and you've proved all that, you've taken a lot of risk out of it, 
it's not that difficult to do. Well, I find it difficult to do. Some people find it easy to do. That's not one my area. Getting investors is actually quite a, I find quite difficult. But a lot of people find it very easy. But once you have a, a nice working prototype that's tested and you know easy to demonstrate, it becomes a lot easier. Certainly a lot easier than an idea. Uh, and then the third sort of way of getting to market is just going direct yourself. Mm. You manufacture it. Mm. You um, you go to retailers, and or you go online. You sell it yourself. That's probably the most cost and labour intensive. You're basically buying yourself a job. Then some people want a job. They want out of their own job, and that's what the, the way they want to do it. Other people want to sit back and just keep maybe keep working or or not work at all and just do the royalty thing. Uh, they might want to be involved in manufacture, but not very good at selling. So they want to manufacture and go through the distributor. All, all good options, but it's nice to have the option to. In either situation, you've always got fallbacks. Like if you go go to a multinational and it doesn't work out, you can't get a royalty deal in place. You now have a really nice product that you can demonstrate very easily if you want to get an investor involved and go through a distribution network. So you do the manufacturing yourself, go through distribution. If that doesn't work, you can get further investment and manufacture yourself and sell it yourself. Fallbacks, always good to have ways out. And as I said, there's some, some situations and, and I'll just outline that risk. You know, with our, with our packaging product, we've only got one option here. Uh, and we can never afford to go to market and this is a very small scale. And with that product, you'd, it'd be deadly to go small scale because as soon as other people saw that, they'd try and fill the, you'd never be able to satisfy the whole market because it's, it's multinational, international, and the quantity is so massive that the pressure on that product would be so huge that some would try in some way to get around what you've done and do something different mm -hmm. just to fill the gap, the need. So interesting times and lots of options and very important to discuss this sort of stuff early in the piece as we talked about the first, the very first podcast we did. Get the plan right first and stick to it. People mm. that change plans halfway through at this point end up in a lot of trouble. Mm. Oh, well, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of money that has to be spent. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you, can, you can jeopardize your patent strategy can jeopardise a lot of things by going to market too early or, or making things public when they when they haven't been painted you know, to a certain level. All these sort of things have to be taken into consideration. So all that sort of stuff we talk about in the first meeting, the first two, two hours of meeting with me, it usually takes about two hours to go through a project and find out what everyone wants out of it. Um, crucial, really, mm. really important. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Anything more to add from your side? I mean, what have you seen as far as commercialization options and things that work and things that I mean you obviously you're probably more involved with people who've gone and tried to do it themselves because that's your area or you go and market stuff but I know you have from talking to you I know you have uh, individual inventors startups and you also have big commercial entities I guess there's probably two sides of the coin there but you know I've heard you talk about people I've put you in touch with who've gone out and done their own thing and try to sell the product themselves that's where a lot of marketing comes in a lot of hand-holding through the through the um, logistics of trying to get that product priced right, marketed right, the message right. Yeah, I, I think, uh, it, uh, and, the, and the logistics mm. of actually getting it to the person who's buying it. Well, and that's that's interesting, and that, that's the thing. It's it's often a, a very interesting journey for, for all involved. But I think from what I've learned is is that if you like you've just said before, I think that's a great way of putting it. Is uh, a lot of people will buy themselves a job when they invent a product because it becomes their little baby. 
To and me, a challenging job too, very, very full on. Well, so. it is because they're confronted very, <laughs> very quickly yep. with people that they and, and concepts they've never had to deal with. And again, yeah. like if I go back to the dealing with retail, I mean, mm. you just look at a, if you have a product and you can see where your product is going to sit in a particular shop, that's great. But you, you walking into that shop as a, uh, as a consumer is very different to walking in as uh-huh, someone that has a product that wants to put something on that shelf. Because all of a sudden, then you're asked questions like, well, uh, what is the recommended you're, retail price? You're basically price? buying re, a, re, a, um, a uh, space. Well, you know, and if that space you're buying is not making that that shop owner money, that's it's right. It's almost like selling retail. It is. That shop is almost selling a space. You know, a space. Mm. And it's very cutthroat. Not making money. It's extremely yeah. if your cutthroat. Doesn't make money. Mm. Then he's just going to take that out, and replace it with another one. Mm. Or she, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and, and the thing is, with, with that, and that's the other thing too, is if you're very close to a product, you're not, if you, I mean, obviously, if you engage a representative to work for you, they'll go in and try and push that product for you, and they won't have any sort of emotional tie to it. Uh, but often, you know, I've, I've had to calm people down because, you know, they've walked into a shop and they've said, would you like to sell it? Yeah. And, you know, they get confronted with all these uh Questions, you know, mm. like, well, what, what, what's my margin? What, what, what are you selling that for? And then the other question is too, if you're doing your own thing, are you going to then, are you a competitor of that shop? If you're selling it yourself, then are you asking the retailer to sell it for slightly more? Because, or sorry, they're going to have to price it so it's slightly more expensive than what you have it listed, say, on your website, yeah. uh, because yeah, they have yeah. to make a margin. Yeah. And you're, what you're selling, what your recommended retail price to them is that they've worked out that the margin isn't high enough. Uh, and then you've got to think about if you need a product that the retailer will ask you how are you going to promote this product because no one knows about it yet. that's right how are you going to guarantee sales so mm. you're going to have to put a, a marketing strategy in place we're going to push it in this 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 uh, um, avenue the radio mm. newspaper TV whatever to guarantee that the, the turnover is going to be oh and obviously relevant. if you get products that are unique uh, the retail space that you're wanting to go into Often, just the very fact that you're within that space is enough to promote that product, especially if it's a small retail shop. But if you're thinking of the likes of Bunnings or something like that, I mean, those sorts of places, I mean, it seems, it, it almost at the outset would seem fanciful just to think you can ring Bunnings and say, hey, I've got a great product stick on your shelf, because mm-hmm. that's not how they operate at all. Uh, they're more likely to approach you if they think there's anything in it. That's really how that works. Uh, because they're just very controlling with w- what they're making money on. I mean, you're talking about... Every square inch has to be making profit. Well, another thing too is that you, you, you might have heard people talk about things like products that are cost leaders. All that means is that that's a product that they have in store which attracts people into that shop and it, they're actually buying customers. So Bunnings or whoever it is, JV Hi-Fi might sell. I mean, I had a mate that uh, worked in retail and he said that most of the Apple products in his store were cost leaders because... Apple dictated the price, uh, and all they were using, all that the only reason they wanted Apple products in their store was to get people in, and hopefully they bought some other peripheral material, mm. uh, whether it's printer cartridges or getting some printing done. That's where they made, that's where this shop made their money. But on the actual Apple products, Apple is very, very controlling, and they will not allow you to, like you, you can't go out and find an Apple laptop which is two hundred dollars more than another store. It just won't happen because they mm. they they control that to the to the dollar. Right. Um, so they, so shops will actually, and they know that. I mean, that's the power of big, big, uh, successful products like that. They know their their own value, and they know that people want them in their shops to get to actually get people in the door. Uh, so anyway, so re, re, the retail environment is a, another 
level altogether and if people haven't been exposed to it from the business side of it it's often quite confronting and they have to be prepared so things like price lists so if you're walking into a shop you're not just talking to them about individual sale prices individual unit sales you're saying well if you buy up to 50 it will cost you this and there's x margin let's just say there's only five percent margin in it for you however if you buy bulk from me and buy 500 to a thousand or ten thousand well then uh, as you can see the way we've done our pricing up you'll be able to make 25 percent uh, as your markup so there's those considerations to work out first before you go and approach these people because it's not a very good look to walk in be confronted by all this and then have to go away with your t- tail between your legs and then work it all out yeah. talk to someone who knows what who's done this before and often it's not an accountant get, a, get a strategy before you go and meet yeah them. so just get a strategy in place because that your pricing again in your price list becomes your uh, critical part of your marketing it's not just the pretty pictures that surround it and that's what I'm always saying to people brand message at this point of the game has got very little to do with uh, visual image and nice pictures and even nice packaging it's all to do with what's the margin on it uh, what's the value proposition do you know exactly who's going to be buying this and can you answer all these questions very quickly when you're going to talk to people because otherwise you will just have to end up selling it solely on your own and that's another uh, game altogether which is certainly very much buy yourself a job yeah uh, it's very yeah. hard work yeah. so it's uh, but it's all fun but um, <laughs> yeah it's there's a lot to consider yeah for sure it's a bit of a um, adventure that's what I, I, I look at it. I say well <laughs> I say well you know you're buying yourself a job but also your life's gonna be more adventurous than old mate down the street is working for his boss <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And that's exactly what's going to happen. And that's the thing. Life and is and just and an adventure. Well, and they say, you know, yeah, I mean, the, the, you, the classic, you, classic thing I always hear is, oh, you know, people are saying, saying to me it's high risk. But you know, I was making this comment the other day to someone. I said, well, a lot of the employment that you have nowadays is all contract-based. So it's you know, if you've got a standard no, no, job no, somewhere, no. it's even, on a contract. Even government jobs are not that's right. guaranteed anymore. Sorry, we're not politicising our podcast <laughs> no, here. But, but, it's just, but the it, concept it, of, yeah. of, of In having... In fact, you've got control over your destiny. That's right. <laughs> when you run your own, run yeah. your own, run your own setup. So nothing is certain. That's right. Nothing is certain. <laughs> and it's, it's a great, it's great, it's great fun. It is. It really is. Keeps you on your toes. <laughs> you learn a hell of a lot. <laughs> so if we're putting you off, that's fine. But if we're actually encouraging you, that's also fine because that's what this is all about. And you've got choices. You can always go on the holiday. Oh, we always come back to this. Yes, I think we're interviewing a travel agent. Renovate next week. the kitchen. <laughs> Put a pool in. Put a pool in, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's been well covered off. So is there anything else you want to mention there, Scott? I think we're good. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see some feedback from uh, from people who listen to this now, and maybe we can we can drill into certain areas, or we can maybe sit down together and decide on areas. Yeah, that, okay. well, that I think need, we should maybe officially detail. ask. Yeah, yeah, if we just officially like ask that. now that, uh, look, go to our uh, Facebook. all about trying to impart our knowledge of over the years to people who are trying to start start new ventures and uh, and do product development or, or startups in general. Um, so yeah, if it comes from the from, comes from the uh, listeners, it'd be great. But if yep. not, we can we can certainly look at areas we've glossed over, delve deeper into them. There's a lot more detail that goes into every one of these podcasts that we haven't been able to mm. cover off on, and we can certainly drill down into those certain areas. I know that are hot, uh, sort of difficult areas that need more explanation. I can certainly pick out of it and, uh, and go into more, in more detail. I'm sure you're, you're the same. Yeah, sure. No, I think if we just encourage everyone who's listening to this, if you've got any questions, head over to our Facebook page and just uh, send us a post or whatever. Just leave you a think, message yeah, anywhere. You think you've got to Start a conversation with us and we'll uh, answer the questions. In your area and uh, yeah, we're happy to, happy to dig into it. Yes, absolutely. Chat, chat on about nothing. 
So all day long. Ask us. No question is silly. So uh, it, it, we'll we will answer anything. So uh, that'd be good. Good stuff. Well, that sort of ends ends the series. The first part of our series. Uh, well, we we had ten or eleven eleven um, topics to cover, but because of the I, I guess the mundaneness of the CAD development engineering part of it, I've just wrapped them into three. And then we've covered off the last one there. So we've pretty much covered all 10 of the topics, or 11 of the topics, because you put a naming one in there as well, uh, in, the, in the series. But we will uh, add more uh, scintillating Right, yes. I think those episodes I've marked as, they're the relaxation episodes. So if you need to <laughs> drift off to sleep of an evening. Don't be driving when you <laughs> We listen to Scott, that's right. <laughs> Disclaimer. Talk <laughs> soon. You've been listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick.